You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It is awesome to share the next way of the 48 ways to wisdom to a magnificent, maximized life. So we started off, the first we discussed was with study, to learn, learn, learn. Every day of life should be filled with learning. Number two was with listening, using our ears. We have two ears to listen, double what we speak, which is the next one, everything you hear, verbalize it so that you can make it your own. And then number four we discussed was putting it into action, understanding of the heart. Many times we know things in our mind, but we don't put them into action. We know there's a speed limit, but we don't obey it. When we put things into our heart, we put it into action. And then we discussed way number five, which is with awe. Live every day with awe. Be inspired. Look at the world that God gave us. Look at the majesty. Look at the brilliance. It is incredible. I will tell you personally, my wife, as many of you know, is pregnant, and we went for our regular checkup, and we had a uh, the ultrasound. And as you know, I'm an EMT, and I learned, I spent a lot of time learning about the heart. And when you see, I, I started crying. When you see the heart with the ultrasound, exactly how the right atrium, the right ventricle, the left atrium, the left ventricle, and all of the different... It it is unreal. It is breathtaking. We can live every day in awe. And that's what the mission is telling us. You want to maximize life? Get some awe in your life. That makes your life awesome. And now we have number six. Number six is with fear. Now, awe is not to be conflated with fear. So what does fear mean to each and every one of us? Everyone has a different idea of what fear. And there's a mitzvah in the Torah to fear God. What does it mean to fear God? Why do the sages include this tool in maximization of life? So we have to understand that fear puts things into perspective. The word for fear means yir'ah. Yir'ah is the same as yir'eh, which means to see. When you see something, it puts it into perspective. When we understand the relationship we have with God, when we understand the responsibility we have to the Almighty, it puts a perspective that's hopefully sobering, a sobering perspective on life. Fear of heaven, all our deeds are written in the book. We call something, we say, Yirat Shamayim, is fear of heaven. Someone who's a God-fearing Jew, a God-fearing person, is someone who understands that I have accountability. I have responsibility. That does not mean, fear does not mean that we hide under the table, shivering and terrified, biting our nails. That's not what fear means. Fear means putting things into the proper perspective so we take responsibility and accountability for every action, for every moment. You know, the yarmulke that we wear on our head comes from the word yare malka, fear of God, fear of the king. That's why we have the yarmulke. It, the idea is supposed to put it in, us into a, a sense of, of awe of the Almighty's greatness, but also give us accountability. We say in Tehillim, in Psalms, we say, Shiviti Hashem Tamid. We should put 
God before us at all times. Many times in synagogues, they'll have a big banner with those letters saying, reminding us that every time we're praying, we're not just praying, we are talking to the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth who's listening to our every word. He loves our words. And when we have that proper perspective, it puts us in the right frame of mind. What do we live for? Fear gets in touch with our mortality, and death is the most potent fear. The Mishnah tells us that it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of celebration, like a wedding. You know, wedding, people can be frivolous, people can be uh, um, a little bit overexcited, sometimes people drink a little bit too much at weddings. What happens at a house of, of mourning? You realize that one day we'll all be gone. And it puts a, a sense of seriousness into our day-to-day life that there's accountability and the clock is ticking every single day. You know, I, I always, I, I said this, uh, as a, not as a joke, but as an idea that, it, but it's a little bit, a little bit too morbid. But if you were to give a gift to a child when they're born, which has a countdown clock from 120 years, 11 months, 23 hours, 59 minutes. You start it at the moment they're born. And you give it to them as a gift. And then suddenly they realize when they're 10 years old, I only have 110 years to live at best. And when they're 20 years old, they only have 100 years to live. And when they're 30 years old, they only have 90 years to live. And it's suddenly that clock will help, hopefully, for every individual realize that we don't have forever. We don't have forever. I've, I've spoken to over the years um, they asked me, what do I do? I have a sibling I haven't spoken to, to in, in many years. I have a child, God forbid, someone has a child that they don't talk to. I've, I've had people talk to me about these issues or a sister-in-law or a brother-in-law that they've excommunicated because they didn't invite them to their wedding, they didn't give them a right gift, or they didn't name their child the way they went. Whatever it is, people get carried away. And guess what? What a devastating thing it would be if a person leaves this world and never made peace. If a person, to just put it into perspective, fear is important to remove senseless worries. You know, the story they say about um, uh, a child was complaining every day, oh, my tooth is hurting, my tooth is hurting. So the father finally takes him to the dentist. And the child in the waiting room asks his father, what's that noise I hear? He says, oh, that's the drill. When you have a cavity, that's the drill. He says, ah, it doesn't hurt me anymore. It doesn't hurt me anymore, right? Sometimes when you have a bigger fear, Right? All the little fears fall away. You know, one of the things we say every single day in the Adon Olam, in the morning, in the introductory prayers, in the morning we say, Hashem li lo ira. When Hashem is with me, I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to worry. I have nothing to worry other than the fear of Hashem. I have nothing else to fear. Why? Because there's a, a big perspective the little things, yeah, so this didn't work out, that didn't work out. I don't have to worry about it as long as my big, the big picture is on course. When, God forbid, one has a harsh diagnosis, the minute worries of money, competition, car insurance, they fall to the wayside. Why? Because it's something which is far greater that suddenly comes up. It puts things into perspective, the little things that we have. And we're dealing with a generation, by the way, that is heavily, heavily medicated for stress and anxiety and, and and all of these different symptoms that are coming because we're not ready to have that big fear that will really knock away many of those little fears.
The psalmist, King David, had a brilliant son, King Solomon. King Solomon wrote Proverbs. One of the things he writes in Proverbs is, Ashrei Adam Mifached Tamid. Praised is the man who always has this perspective, who always is in fear of losing opportunities. Think of the idea. If you had the opportunity to invest in Microsoft on day one, and you didn't invest in Microsoft. You could have put $1,000. That $1,000 could be today. Who knows how much? Imagine. What an opportunity. And now, what happens? You miss that opportunity. So there's only one benefit. We mentioned this in the previous podcast. Regret has only one purpose, one good purpose. And that is not to lose future opportunities. To just sit there and sulk and be upset and sad and, and all... I can't believe it, and you live a whole life with regret, that that's not healthy. But if you take it as a springboard that for new opportunities, you're not going to miss out. So an example for that is if, God forbid, we left this world and we realized, uh-oh, I didn't properly focus my life. Instead of focusing my life on things that were important, I invested my life in things that were unimportant or less important. That should put a fear in each and every one of us. If you don't know what you're ready to die for, you haven't begun living. I've said this hundreds of times. This is a quote from Rabbi Noah Weinberg of Blessed Memory. He says, if you don't know what you're ready to die for, you haven't begun living. I'll give you an example. Are we ready to die for our career? Most people not. Are we ready to die for our hobbies, for skydiving? Or what, what are we ready to die for? We're ready to die for our children. We're ready to die for our family, right? We're ready to die for the Almighty. So why don't we live for that? If you know what you're ready to die for, know what you're ready to live for. And if I'm ready to die for my family, then I should live for my family. I should never li- miss a birthday. I should never li- miss a graduation. I should never miss a, 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 a softball game or a Little League game because I'm living for my family. If I'm ready to die for them, I should definitely be willing to live for them. And think of what are those values that we're ready to die for and let's live for them. When a baby is born, it cries. It doesn't want to be here in this physical world. You see, the baby is born after being in a in gestation, in, hopefully for nine full months. The sages tell us, the Midrash tells us, that the baby in the womb, in the mother's womb, is studying the entire Torah with the angels. It's living in a completely spiritual world. It says that the baby can see from one side of the world to the other. What does that mean? That means that there's no interruption. There's no distraction. There's no physical limitations. It's living in a spiritual existence. Wow, that's a great place to be. Suddenly comes into this world trapped by physical limitations and can't succeed the way it wants to. So our sages tell us the baby cries because it really doesn't want to be here. And what do we do? We try to pacify it with a balloon and with a doll and with a, with a, with, with a toy, with whatever it is to try to do. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But we're really, we're not here to be here. We're here to accomplish. We're here to get things done. And that's the fear that if God forbid life passed us by and we didn't attain those achievements that were expected of us. There's a story. I'll end with this. There's a story that's told about a great sage who wrote a book and it was, it's a masterpiece. Anybody who knows this book, it's a masterpiece on Talmud study. It's like, it's brilliant. And when the rabbi concluded the book and it was published, he made a very big party. 
He said, I want to tell you why I made this party. When I was a child, the teacher that the parents hired said, I can't teach this kid. This kid is so ADHD. This kid is so restless. So he overheard the conversation the parents were having that evening. He hears the parents said, you know what? Let's just take him to the shoemaker and he'll teach him how to make shoes. He'll be a good shoemaker. He heard that and he had a shudder. He says, they're giving up on me. I have to show that I'm not, I'm not going to give up. He says, this book came from that night's dream where he had a dream and he died in the dream. And he comes up to heaven and in heaven they say, oh, where's your book that you wrote on the Talmud? So me book? <laughs> I'm I'm a shoe. I'm a I fix shoes. I'm a I'm a I'm a shoe repairman. I'm not I don't I'm not a an author. I'm not a scholar. They're like no no no. We sent you down to this world to write that book. Where is that book? And the rabbi picks up this book. He says, "This is the book they showed me in that dream. This is what I came into this world for. I was brought here. And many times we choose the easier route." But it's not always the better route. Just one more thing. When we talk about Yirah, which is perspective, you know, the word for Shabbat, it says, V'karata le Shabbat Oneg. You should call Shabbat Oneg a delight, a, a delicacy. That's what it's, it's a pleasure, Shabbat. But you see, there are some times that people would say, nah, Shabbat is, uh, you know, it's difficult. Uh, Shabbat, I can't drive. Uh, Shabbat, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. So our sages tell us that it all depends on your perspective. You can read the word oneg as a pleasure, or if you readjust the letters, the ayin, if you take the ayin, the I, and you put it to the end, instead of putting it at the beginning, it becomes from an oneg, from a pleasure, it becomes a nega, a plague. It all depends on how you look at it. And everything in life, we can look at it in a perspective that is uplifting, we can look at it in a perspective that is elevating, motivating, exciting. Or we can look at it as like, oh, and you can see the same, by the way. Anybody who has uh, children knows that uh, when you try to take your children on a trip, so you'll have some children who are going to be very excited, and you have some children who don't want to go to that. They don't want to go. All right, I'll give you an example. An amusement park. I don't like amusement parks. I don't like roller coasters. I'm terrified of, of heights and, 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 and things that go too fast. And some of my children are like me. My wife, on the other hand, she can't find enough thrill from those roller coasters and bungee jumping and all those uh, crazy things. So some of my children love going to Six Flags. And some of us have no business being there. We don't, we don't find it amusing. We don't find it entertaining. But that's all in the perspective. It's all in the perspective. And if we change our perspective on anything in life, we can gain an appreciation and we can learn to maximize every single day of our lives. So that concludes way number six. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.